baby is a nightmare. Dexter has to kill someone because he brought the wrong file to court and surprise Lundy. Creepy John Lithgow's creepy and Dexter's impulse purchase van is now toast. What'd you guys think of this episode overall? I thought it was great. I thought it was really good. I feel really refreshed after that terrible season we just finished. Yeah, I can see why people are always referring to the fourth season as probably the best season because it definitely starts off with a bang and it puts you right back into that Dexter vibe and I really, I did enjoy it. So, I absolutely love this season and this episode. It got... Everything started off absolutely right. Uh, John Lithgow's introduction was so good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot going on in this episode, which is very different from last season, because they had lots of episodes where nothing was going on. Um, There seems to be more happening in this episode than most of the last season, so... Uh, it does feel a lot more exciting, and characters have things to do. Um, we're introduced to new people. Lundy comes back. Lots of stuff going on. So it opens on Dexter driving, doing his whole tonight's the night thing, uh, except what he's talking about is getting a good night's sleep. This is intercut with John Lithgow's character, who has not yet been named on the show, starting a bath. Dexter reveals that tonight's the night he finally sleeps. He carefully closes his car door, trying to get into the house without waking the baby. There's more intercutting with John Lithgow, who's now naked on the bathroom floor. A girl walks into the bathroom, and he grabs her from behind. Dexter opens the back door and talks to his son. Driving around was supposed to put the baby to sleep, but it didn't work. Lithgow and the girl are now both nude and in the bathtub. He controls her with his arm around her neck and chokes her out and uses a straight razor to cut her femoral artery. This wakes her up again, and Mitchell uses a hand mirror to show the girl her face and his. She quickly bleeds out. I love the way we just start right in with with seeing our killer. We know right out of the gate we're not going to have this mystery. We're not going to have to see how that plays out. We get a really, truly chilling, terrifying kill scene that really kind of piques the interest right out of the gate. We know this is going to be a good story to follow. He's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it's such a good introduction. Like, the the slowness of him, you know, folding clothes and folding the towel and making sure everything's neat. You just immediately assume that he's in his bath bathroom and then he just jumps that girl. It's, it's so well done. Yeah, so at first I was like, Okay, I know John Lithgow's in this season. Uh, I don't necessarily know what his role is yet, but I see him right away, and I'm like, that's cool. And then, yes, I agree with you, Aaron. Like, he's folding the clothes, and you're like, all right, so, you know, he's he's clearly going to be, he's up to something here. Um, but then once the bathroom stuff, once the girl came in and the blood thing happened, I was like, well, how do I feel about seeing the killer right away? Because that's not necessarily something we've gotten thus far in in Dexter, and so I, it's interesting to hear you both say that how you loved being introduced to the the main, I guess, or a, a killer like right away. Because for me, I was like, well, I don't know. I kind of somewhat like the suspense and the the mystery of it, but I could be proven wrong because of how good he is with this character, and I don't know yet. You know, this is that was just my 
initial reaction. Yeah. And, and I not think to what I like about that is that it flips the script. After us seeing that done, you know, the first three seasons, now it's like, all right, we're changing it up. We know right away. This is not going to be like the other seasons. They're doing something a little bit different. And I think that's what I like about it. It isn't routine. It's breaking it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives us a chance. So I'll talk about it as much as I can without talking about the rest of the season. But... Um, the the reason for showing this right away is it's important that the audience knows who this is right it's it it it's a mystery to dexter but the audience is in on who this killer is um and that becomes more important because it's not going to take all 12 episodes for them to figure out who the killer is you know, or it's not going to take Dexter eight episodes or nine episodes, and then the police figure it out in the last episode. It's not going to be a season like that. So, um, this is a very different uh, version of Dexter being up against bad guys, and with the exception of unless, unless I'm forgetting something, with the exception of uh, Rudy slash Brian this is the first serial killer that Dexter's been up against. Yeah. You know, the ice truck killer, this, the way they introduce Arthur, uh, the the Trinity killer, he is, it, it's much closer to the first episode of Dexter in that you know that there's a killer out there. Boom. It's right there. They go a little bit differently because you obviously don't want to waste a guest star in uh, Lithgow. You want to get as much mileage out of that as possible. So it's like taking the star power that Jimmy Smith was supposed to bring in three and giving it the storyline of season one. Well, and if you think about the way that they use Jimmy Smith's, it's the complete backwards version of it because it takes us like eight episodes of season three to find out that Dexter's going to have to kill Jimmy Smith's and in this we know right away that Dexter needs to kill John Lithgow but Dexter doesn't know that yet and Miami Metro doesn't know that yet (laughs) Miami Metro never knows (laughs) that's that's true this is just exactly what a viewer wants in their killer. He is something completely different than what we've seen. He is just so meticulous and cautious and so gentle, yet then he's just terrifying. That makes him so much worse. It really was so uncomfortable, which is how it should be to watch these murder scenes, but usually it's not. It's very flat. I might be forgetting some beat of that, uh, the attack. Um... But I remember that I, that attack was probably the goriest thing that's happened on Dexter so far. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he slices into her leg, but it feels like there was something else that he does that... Mm-hmm. No, he just chokes her out. Yeah. He chokes her out and then brings her, wakes her back up by cutting her and makes her oh, I guess I guess watching oh. the, uh, watching the uh, bathtub fill up with blood. Like, that's gorier oh, than stuff yeah. that we've seen in other episodes. Yeah. 
Well, the cut yeah. itself is, is super graphic. I mean, it's a really deep, I, I flinched when I saw that, that cut. It just yeah, looked it, so real. Uh-huh. No, it, it cinematically, like, definitely was a change of pace. Um, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not upset with it at all. I'm, I'm, I was just like, wow, we really get like right into it. It is, it's turning the, you know, Dexter on its head a little bit and being like, yeah, you better be ready because we came to play. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, he doesn't meet John Lithgow at a cocktail party somewhere and <laughs> yeah. like strike up a friendship with him and John Lithgow, start fishing with him. John Lithgow does not <laughs> p- pay for his catering. There's, there's <laughs> Well, I'm probably coming off of season season three. If we hadn't the rest of us seen season four before, I think probably my thought process would be a little bit more like yours, Zach, because I would think, okay, great, last time we did things too soon, and then it was just a bunch of filler. So are we going to run into this position again where it's going to be, oh, cause, so we know who the killer is right out of the gate, so mm-hmm. how are they going to fill the time for the rest of the season? So I can see that too. This yeah. this episode it it brought something to my mind that I was afraid going back through watching these that I wasn't going to enjoy season four as much as I I did the first viewing, um, because when I first watched it I watched it live and season three had left me in such a pit of like I don't even want to watch this show anymore that it elevated season four to almost a mythic level for me. So, uh, so far, I'm really enjoying it. This first episode was a great start. So, uh, as of right now, uh, it's, it's lived up to it. Yeah, I think I maybe said the same thing, Aaron, when we recapped the last season. I think I said something along those lines that, you know, I had such high regard for season four, but didn't remember how much season three sucked. So I was a little concerned going in if I was going to be, uh, find out I was wrong by holding in such high regard all this time. Yeah, season three actually did a fairly good job of of always having a shitty episode <laughs> and then an interesting, like, two minutes at the end. To make you feel like it went out on a high. Because um, that was the last season that I watched live until I watched season 7 and 8. Um, I, I took a break between season 3 and season 7. And then I binged all the way through 4, 5, and 6 to watch 7 and 8. So, so season 3 was the last one I saw live. <laughs> um the opening Dexter theme starts to play. Dexter swats at a mosquito but misses. The music is off. It's like a circusy version. An all-wrong version of the credit sequence starts playing, showing Dexter's new routine. His white shirt is stained. The laces in his boots break. Daryl thinks about... Daryl. Dexter thinks about how serial killers are always described as nice, quiet loners. He's starting to see why that might be an improvement. Rita asks Aster to turn her music down. Aster is in full teenage mood swing mode. Why do you hate my music? Rita appreciates Dexter taking the night shift, but Dexter has court today, and she tells him it is okay to wake her next time. As Dexter leaves the house, the neighbor asks him how it's going. Rita comes out and tells the neighbor that she'll watch the kids since he did last time. Rita says, carpools, swimming pools, how much are we living the dream? And Dexter says, unconvincingly, so much. I loved the startup, the uh, the change to the the thing we've seen what 
36 times now, somewhere in there. Pretty close. It's 37. 37. Uh, it was... It, it was a nice change of pace, and, and it signaled... A, like, if you hadn't been paying attention, obviously, um, the big shift in Dexter's life. And, and again, it's just something that this episode pulled off masterfully. That was a great scene. Probably one of the best scenes of the entire series. Just something just so, so small, but so fun. It just added a, a good little twist. I really loved that scene. Yeah, I it thought my, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought my Netflix had skipped back somehow on accident <laughs> and I was like wait what happened oh this is a different version of the oh okay okay I like this I'm into it yeah I started to rewind because I got really confused that's awesome yeah uh, Deb is in bed with someone down in flavor country turns out it's Anton he comes up to ask Deb to TiVo John Stewart for him Deb's late for work leaving Anton unreciprocated uh, Dexter looks a little less dis- disheveled in court, but he has the wrong file. The defense attorney eats him for breakfast, and Quinn curses and leaves the gallery. Deb meets with the lady from Records. She's met half of the CIA so far, trying to find out which one Harry was sleeping with. Um, Quinn stops Dexter and explains exactly who he let down, the child of the victim. Dexter's mistake got the case against the killer thrown out. Quinn shows him a picture. The fr- father had been hit so hard his cheekbone broke. Before that, he'd be the girlfriend to death. Deb tries to shoot Quinn away, but Dexter tells her Quinn's right. He fucked up on this one. Deb says, did you make a mistake? Uh, in the briefing room, Dexter is still holding the killer's case file from Quinn. He's planning to fix what he broke by killing him. LaGuardia sends Quinn, Deb, Dexter, and Masuka to a murder scene. The girl Mitchell killed is dead in the bloody bath. Masuka says, talk about your bloodbath. They quickly rule out suicide, no weapon, recently promoted. Dexter comments on how well organized the crime scene in. The killer knew what he was doing. And And, then... And Masuka's back. Uh, Christine... Yeah, great. Christine Hill, a reporter, crosses the police tape and begins to ask Quinn questions about the case. Quinn gives her a business card with his cell phone number on it and then checks her out as she walks away. So, um, so there's something I've kind of been thinking about with this like little series of events. It's like um, with the whole Dexter being a dad thing. Obviously, we see that affecting him in terms of casework, and also you know he can't really necessarily go out and kill because uh, like you know he's doing the tonight's the night, but the kids in the car or whatever. Um, so like, what I guess what I'm trying to get at is is in my mind, would I have enjoyed t- seeing Dexter continue on just doing what Dexter did or do I really like the fact that now he's servicing life challenges as well as these these uh, you know cravings that he has to like kill essentially you know because we could have just gone on and just had him doing all the Dexter stuff all the time but then like how monotonous would that have been and now we see him sort of juggling life and like I guess I, 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 I you know like I enjoyed it but at the same time I'm questioning it like was it what the what was the choice there? What was the move in terms of the the, the writers and the um, and the showrunners to be like, you know, what would be cool to throw in like real life dad shit for Dexter. So I think it's supposed to, it's just added tension because 
he doesn't have his own apartment to pretend to be at while he's out doing this extra stuff. And so now he Mm -hmm. has to completely make it work while he is living full-time at Rita's house um, and taking care of his kid and her kids and all of that. I think that's what their their plan was. I think that's why they got Rita pregnant last season and why they got them married at the end of last season. Um, I don't I, I don't know how well that really works out for them. Um, I think it very quickly yeah. becomes something that in you know, with hindsight I think it, it probably wasn't the greatest idea. Um, because it makes Dexter, instead of uh, not telling his girlfriend everything, now he's like straight up lying to his wife all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, they really wrote themselves into a corner with that specific situation, in my opinion. I agree. You know, I absolutely yeah. agree. It's weird. I'm not. I'm not opposed to it, but I'm just saying it's like interesting to think about. Yeah. Uh, Deb is having a temper tantrum in the break room when LaGuerta walks in. LaGuerta listens to Deb talk a bit and says, so you're just making yourself crazy? And Deb says, it's kind of what I do. LaGuerta tells Deb to stop winding herself up. Deb asks if LaGuerta ever went out with that friend of Anton's they tried to set her up with. LaGuerta waves it off. She says if and when she's actually looking for someone, she'll let Deb know. So this is also going to be a pattern for a little while of Deb and LaGuerta being friends because LaGuerta needs a friend to talk to. (laughs) Dexter starts looking into the killer he wants to target, Benito Torres. He finds the only open bar for a wide distance. He continues looking at crime scene photos and seeing America the Beautiful over the phone to his son. Masuka invites Quinn, then Deb, to a titty bar. Deb says, sound tempting, but fuck off and die. Then die again. Angel shows up has a rough case coming in in the morning. He agrees to go with Masuka. Adios, Gianna, I guess. Uh, Dexter can see the target through the open door of the quote-unquote only bar. Dexter is comfortable with the guy's routine and plans to kill him the next night. At LaGuardia's, she says she wasn't sure he'd really come that, that to her that night. Um, Angel's FaceTime with Masuka turned out to be an alibi so that he can sleep with Luarta. Angel says, yeah, it's crazy. Crazy good. Stabtista returns. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> what, do, what do people think? About uh, this uh, situation, oh, wow. Guerta and... Uh, Latista. Latista? Yeah. <laughs> Don't like it. I almost got Aaron to spray soda out of his nose. <laughs> Latista. Latista. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's. I'm not surprised that they went that route. Baguerta. Baguerta's good. I like Baguerta. Baguerta sounds less approving than Latista. So we'll go with Baguerta. Baguerta doesn't sound cutesy or approving. Baguerta. It sounds like some kind of parasite infection. (laughs) And it kind of is. No, I mean really predictable if you get down to it that i mean who hasn't laguerta slept with so it was time yeah i i've made a bunch of hints that i've made really subtle uh over the past seasons where i said where 
like Angel might as well just date LaGuerta at this point. Like, they're so out of ideas for both of them, but they might as well just do that, knowing full well that that was going to happen in season four. So I've got all these great, like, reactions from Zach, who didn't know it was coming, being like, ugh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) No, I know. I'm not happy about it. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It just, like, professionally, it doesn't make any sense. Like, writing-wise, it just doesn't make any sense. Character-wise, it definitely doesn't make any sense. Because, like, they're not even into the same things. I don't... I just don't... I mean, I guess boning, but that's about it. They're both in La Guerta. Yeah, I mean... But it's not like Angel is discerning about who he's going to hook up with anyway. So, you know... Flashback to Lila. Don't sleep with anybody. Their kids would have hooves. And they'd be uh, named after, like, weird cars like Audi. <laughs> uh, Dexter is snapping photos of the baby while he sleeps. Rita has a tender moment, but Astra turns her loud music on and wakes the baby up. Rita punishes her by making her walk Harrison around until he falls back asleep. And I believe that Astra's use of the baby's name is the first time we hear it. It is Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's about that. Exciting. It's the code of Harry. Harry for short. <laughs> but they call him Harrison so that it's not so obvious. Uh, LaGuerta and Angel seem to be alone in an elevator, but Masuka is there. He tells Angel that you totally could have fucked that stripper. LaGuerta says, get to work, gentlemen. Uh, bet- like, there's that uh, reveal of the reveal of Angel in LaGuerta's apartment. The reveal of Masuka in the elevator, uh, it's a lot like, uh, there's, oh, uh, Angel in the, uh, in the car with the IA agent behind him. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, the reveal. He just seems yeah, to be, like, really talking to himself and the IA agent's back there and See, when he turned in dokes. Callbacks to season one, man. Yeah, but I can see why you forgot about that, or at least it escaped your memory. Things. Yeah, I, I will say though, speaking of like those those reveal shots or whatever, there were a couple of uh, cinematic shots in this episode that I thought were were different and fun, harkening uh, back to the Dexter taking pictures of the baby. I thought that was cool because the lights were all like focused up on the on the frame. And then, so, you know, it's like on the frame and then it pulls back and you see Dexter and he's taking pictures and then it pulls back even further and it's the baby and you're like, oh, that's, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I got, I would have thought it was another crime scene. So their use of cinematography is, is well played in this episode. He's not taking pictures of Harrison in a crime lab. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Dexter found more blood underneath the tile in the bathroom. It was there long before the killing they're investigating. Frank Lundy walks in and sees Dexter and says, How's my favorite blood spatter analyst? Dexter says, Great. How's my favorite serial killer hunter? Uh, and Lundy's <laughs> back, everybody. Lundy is back. <laughs> Lundy wants to ask Dexter some questions, but he doesn't want to intrude. He says he'll see him at the station later. <clears throat> I thought that was, well, one, shocking, because I didn't see that coming. Uh, and I even gasped a little bit when I was watching it. I was like, <gasps> Lundy! <laughs> um, but uh, I really still enjoy his performance so much because it, it like, freaks Dexter out so badly. Uh, he's got a lot going on as is, 
But then, like, Lundy comes in and he's he's just subtle enough that he could kill. He could still be like uh, hunting potentially Dexter and just not alluding to it or like being subtle about whatever he's doing is so it's so good that it does it's it's entertaining to watch the Dexter be on edge like that all the time with him. Yeah, it was a good source of tension in season 2 that Dexter knew that this guy wasn't Miami Metro that he's actually competent and if he got on Dexter's trail there'd be serious problems so Mhm. Uh, despite being at the top of the list last season, Laura Moser's file is now at the bottom of Deb's list of CIs. Uh, she talks to one of them. She seems to have a fond memory of Harry. Harry said to her that the only word in his vo- that wasn't in her voc- sorry. Harry said to Harry said the only word that wasn't in his vocabulary was no, which uh, 2018 is not such a great statement. Uh, the woman says that he didn't have an affair with Harry though. So, uh, guess he never. There's a, a different, different time for Harry. That's for sure. <laughs> the only word that's not in my vocabulary is no. Uh, uh, can I say it in Spanish then? <laughs> I need an adult. <laughs> uh, Dexter finds a place to kill Torres. Uh, Angel's given a flash drive from the murdered honeymooner who had just had his plug pulled. LaGuardia shows up to tell him to get a quick solve on this that the mayor has already been pestering about her about this the cop who gives Angel a thumb drive asks what happens between him and Gianna Angel says they broke up and tells the cop to knock himself out if he wants to ask her out I, I like that the mayor is inquiring not Captain Matthews who still is MIA, MIA on yeah. the golf course um, the mayor is really coming down on La Guerta. It's just this whole the whole hierarchy of things in terms of like the administration and stuff is so gargled. It's just like what Miami is so bad. And and, and somehow the mayor reports to Masuka. Like it doesn't make any Wait. sense. No. Right. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Um, at least they wrote a line into the episode about why Angel is no longer with Gianna who was kind of a big deal for him to be dating at the end of the last season and they needed to they either decided like either they decided not to have that character back or they decided it was more important for him to be with LaGuerta which I think is probably what the, what happened is they wanted him and LaGuerta to have this thing because it takes care of two characters instead of just one. Yeah, it saves on uh, the budget for sure. But I'm, I'm also <laughs> kind of like sad that this all happened off camera because you know that that scene where they first start flirting was just horribly tragic. Yeah, I don't think so. I think like everything with Batista. <laughs> exactly. I think uh, I think Laguerta like ordered him to the first time <laughs> probably and he loved it so much that he just keeps doing it that or she gave him the wink yeah her, her great flirting skills must have worked <laughs> yeah. they're gonna work on anybody it's gonna be him are you saying what I think you're saying <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dexter goes to his apartment he comments on how the perfect husband would have gotten rid of it by now but he isn't perfect he tells the other blood slides someone new is moving in. Be nice. Dexter's kill room is an abandoned boxing ring. After setting it up, he goes to stake out the bar and falls asleep. A 
traffic cop wakes him up thinking he's drunk. Dexter passes a field sobriety test, but the killer leaves while Dexter is stuck with the cop. Dexter arrives home to find that the baby is asleep and Rita wants the sex. She tells Dexter to lay on the bed and close his eyes. He ponders a power nap. Rita has him open his eyes. She has a feathery wand in a basket of sexual aids. She says she's been saving them for a special time, and tonight's the night. Yeah, when all the kids are home, that's when you that's what you've been saving it for? That's my question. When, when the baby when night. the baby's in the next room and could wake at any second, because that's what babies do. Yeah. You've been stockpiling sex toys for this night <laughs> when all your kids are home. How does one stockpile sex toys? <laughs> like, do you buy them slowly over the years, or do you just, like, and frank them into your house? Rita has an <laughs> obsession with shoplifting sex toys. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> That's the dark undercurrent <laughs> of Rita that we haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, busting them all out at the same time. Like, you with sex toys, I feel like you got to introduce them one at a time, and then they, <laughs> like, they either... They, they get bigger, or there's there's more batteries involved. I don't know. And then, like you know, eventually you can use them all in in uh, symphony. But like, <laughs> to pull out the, the the bucket, to pull out the whole bucket and and the feather wand, and be like, let's do it. Tonight's the night. And you're like, I don't know. I would have been freaked out just as a guy. I'd have been like, can we just start with like, you know, a, a, like a, a bullet, and then maybe we'll go to the rabbit. And, and I don't know. She comes around the corner with just with like fourteen things strapped to her. Okay, here we go. <laughs> It's like a one-man band. Like she's like she's like a one-man sex, one-woman sex machine. They haven't even discussed oh, safe words or anything at this point. It's just tragedy. Maybe she just found a, the basket somewhere on the side of the road. You don't know. <laughs> she checked it out from Evidence Room. Miami Metro doesn't know. It's mostly yes. cocaine. Oh yeah. Just went in and took them all. Oh. That's the basket is mostly cocaine. Uh, <laughs> the baby wakes up and Dexter feeds him. Dexter tells him, Daddy kills people. Well, bad people. The journalist with Quinn's number shows up to talk about the case. Quinn says they're busy on a newer case. They get flirty and Quinn asks her to buy him dinner. Dexter figures out that the other blood is from the 1979 murder of Vicki Noonan. She was killed the same way, a sliced femoral artery. Um, there is a insert I wanted to put in here and I didn't get around to it but there is the screen that Dexter's looking at that has the information about that murder uh, about the woman that was killed in 1979 it has two spelling errors in the same sentence which is bad enough but then it lists her age as uh, 21 when the murder happened the year she would have turned 21 but not until, but it happened before her birthday. So her age is wrong, and there's two spelling errors there. Miami Metro. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, the writers are just keeping it accurate. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't see the shock in all this. Like, <laughs> it's gotta be wrong on screen, because it wouldn't be right if it's The was computer really doesn't actually calculate the age. It just <laughs> takes whatever you put in there. So, regardless of her date of birth and date of death, her age is this. So... Yeah, that's uh, actually I have a buddy who um, his job is to make that kind of stuff for uh, NCIS New Orleans. Yeah. And so really, it's kind of like, I mean, the supervisor's job to make sure all that information is correct. But the person who's doing the graphics clearly just 
didn't know or understand or wasn't told the right thing or whatever and also shouldn't be doing graphics if there's spelling errors because that's a pretty big deal. I would have never noticed it, but uh, I, I, I caught one date in the screen when it went by of 1957, and I wrote in my notes that the original killing was in 1957, but then later they talk about how it wasn't that long ago. So it wasn't... 1957 was her birth year, and the date of the murder was in 1979 mm-hmm. and so when I went back to confirm that I was like oh it's wrong her age is wrong wow. and then I, I read the whole rest of it just to see if there was anything else going on and sure enough like two words apart they had two words with like missing letters and it's like don't you even use Microsoft Word first with this like to get the little red lines to show up and tell you if you've spelled something wrong <laughs> yeah well, and most of the time, it's somebody else who, like, writes that out, and then they'll, like, send it over to the person that's making the graphic. So it's got to go through, like, multiple channels before it even hits, like, the editor or whoever's integrating it or whatever. It's crazy that that, that many mistakes made it through, especially with a primetime tele- – well, it's not primetime, but, you know, a big studio television show. Yeah. So I thought it was funny. Uh, Lundy walks in and, see- <laughs> and asks to speak with Dexter – Lundy's working a case on his own dime. He's retired from the FBI. He outlines his theory about what he calls the Trinity Killer. Their inter- their conversation is intercut with shots from a shower room where Mitchell is moaning, uh, a.k.a. Uh, John Lithgow. We see him naked at the shower, scouring himself with hot water. Deb blows off Anton on the phone when she sees Lundy. Deb says, motherfucking fuck. And Lundy says, nice to see you too. Lundy congratulates her on making Detective. Angel and LaGuardia get onto an elevator together to have a bit of coded conversation before Masuka jumps in at the last moment and asks if they want to go for drinks. Dexter finds his target at a trailer home and M99s him. In a brief exterior of the tent, Dexter built over the boxing ring, a man's hands can clearly be seen on the left trying to hold a rope out of the way. (laughs) So, there's a little goof for you. Uh, Dexter envies the fact that the guy is asleep on M99. Guy wakes up and recognizes Dexter. Dexter says, I'm the blood guy. Rita calls and tells Dexter to go to the pharmacist. Harrison has an ear infection. Fucking babies. Uh, Dexter cuts to the chase and stabs the guy in the heart. He rapidly dismembers him and cleans the room, slipping a couple of times. Dexter is taking care of the body, has picked up the medicine, and is driving home. Harry appears several times in the road, yelling at Dexter not to sleep. Dexter jerks the wheel and flips his car. End of episode cliffhanger. I'm glad there's more Harry in there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep. That was a nice reunion, I think, for Deb and Lundy. Um, It's very appropriate for, for... Deb's uh, temperament, I believe, to react the way that she did, because I don't, I don't know if we ever really got any like super closure, right, on Lundy, like when Lundy's like, I got a new case, I'm out, you know, and she's just kind of like, okay. So here's what happened at the end of season two, um, she wanted to continue with Lundy, and she was preparing to leave town to go with him to his next case, and. They basically left it as Lundy said, think about it, and if you're there, you're there, and if you're not, you're not, and I'll understand. And because Lila set the apartment on fire with Dexter in it, 
uh, Deb got a last minute call to go and rescue Dexter and that's how what she chose to do so it's really her fault that nothing ever happened with Lundy she could have huh. easily contacted him again and said hey my brother was on fire I couldn't come out right away <laughs> Um, You'd think that would be a forgivable. But that was switch. that was just the, that was the end of it. And you know, in reality, I'm sure that Frank Carradine or whatever his name is, Keith Carradine, didn't want to come back for another season, or they couldn't afford him because they were getting Jimmy Smiths for season three, something like that. So, yeah, that's that's interesting because I was like, I, that's what I thought. I was like, wait a second, I don't know if it was if this is like should be Lundy's fault or her reaction should be Lundy like the way. He, that Lundy like made her feel bad or something. I think she's just um, like super. Uh, it it surprises her and freaks her out that he's just like standing there. Mm-hmm. Um, like that he didn't he didn't call or say he was going to be in town or anything like that. He's just like in her office. I think that's what freaks well, her he's, out. He's like he's ancient, so you know even a phone call is probably <laughs> too too much for him. I ain't paying no quarters. Does he have cell phones? I mean, he probably hasn't heard of cell phones. He eats cucumber sandwiches every day. Like, uh. <laughs> so that's our uh, that's our first episode here. It was directed by longtime Dexter director Marco Siega, who directed nine episodes turtle, uh, total. This <laughs> and season four, episode three would be his final episodes. Oh, fuck you guys. Um, The writer was Clyde Phillips, uh, who was the showrunner for season uh, one through four of Dexter and wrote one episode for each of those seasons, making this his last written episode. So what did you guys think was the best line of the episode? I really liked when Dexter said uh, to the baby, do you want to know a secret? Daddy's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, I went with uh, tonight's the night uh, Rita version. <laughs> what, like, was it because of the line or because of the basket? A little bit of both. A little <laughs> bit of both. Uh, are we talking best or worst? Be- I got lost. Best. It cut off on me. Best. Um. I went with a Deb line where she's cussing somebody out because that's normally what I choose when she told Masuka, fuck off and die and then die again. Mm-hmm. How about worst line of the episode? Uh, Masuka, talk about your bloodbath followed by that creepy little rat laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate yeah. that laugh. I'll second that. That was pretty bad. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah, I'm going with Masuka, but I'm going with the uh, the one where he said the coroner can suck my uncircumcised dick if he doesn't rule this a homicide. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, Deb says oh, that's, that's way that's too much bad. information. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now we know too much about his uncircumcised his junk. dick. Uh, all right. Yeah. How about the Chicky Hines memorial performance of the episode? <laughs> I mean, John Lithgow didn't say anything, but mm-hmm. but I want to give it to him. Uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm thinking I'm happy Lundy's back. I'm a Lundy fan, so you know, and and the way he made Dexter react was beautiful. So I'm gonna give it to to Keith Carradine. I'm actually going to give it to Quinn. 
the scene where he confronts Dexter with a file, I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a solid Quinn scene. All right, well, that's it uh, for the season uh, four, episode one. What is your deal? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> you just, you, that long pause, it got me. Oh, you too. That's it for our season opener for season four, episode one.